Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. Tonight is August 13th, 2018. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's been uh, quite a busy couple of days. It sure has. Before we get into that, though, there's something that I, I can't stress just how important this is it's something we have to take care of right here at the beginning uh matt what would that be that would be a shout out to epico cologne yes uh, epico as a stand-up man he would never um not agree to pay the legal funds for <laughs> a friend who he got sued spoilers bro spoil no that's that's true epico would never do that no because he's a stand-up guy if if you guys would like to uh, follow us, incidentally, on social media. We actually have a way to do it now, don't we? We do, actually. We have a Twitter account. Um, you can follow us uh, at Podcast Four Corners. That's capital P and uh, the number four in there, Podcast Four Corners. So search for us on Twitter. Follow us. Send us cute little tweets. Our DMs are open. All Tag us and Epico together. Exactly. Here and if go. you want... If you want some episodes, we'll read your feedback. Oh, we would love to. I, well, I don't know about you guys. I'd love to hear some feedback. I'd like to know what we're doing well and what we can improve on. So, <clears throat> with the setup out of the way, a few things for us to talk about. Uh, I'm going to start with probably the lightest fare of everything. Um, it came to my attention today. I don't know if today is when the quote came out or if it's just when I came across it but someone asked Enzo Amore about if he would go back to wrestling and I believe the quote was something like for no amount of money would I go back to it um, Matt you, you had a great answer to this right? Yeah it, it basically would be um, the little the meme the gif from uh, Willy Wonka uh, stop don't come back <laughs> i don't think most people are going to be sad at this uh, hands out i don't know we we had to get through the loss of steve austin and the rock and what are we going to do man it's someone who's made such an impact like i can't even finish this with a straight face yeah he wants to be uh i guess he says he wants to be a rapper full-time uh, i give that exactly maybe two months before he's taking indie bookings my in like thought nowheresville usa yeah my thought on the quote was he said no amount of money i couldn't help but think that that's got to be kind of self-reflective because the unspoken part of that is no amount of money that i can expect someone to realistically pay me and it's a shame because enzo did some really good mic work the um Mike work he did in the feud with Big Cass was really good. You mean Big Cass with two Z's? Oh, Big Cass? Yeah. I, I can tell you that's... Who's you that know. guy in the impact zone? Uh, <laughs> it's Big Cass. <laughs> I actually should... That's kind of unfair, because I, I don't even think impact does that anymore. <laughs> uh, I... I don't think they do. I know they used to be really bad about it, but no, they hey, kind of they kind of just use um 
they just kind of pick guys up off the indies or who are working other companies. They just use people's real names now, right? They kind of just pick up. They kind of have like an open door policy, so you can just kind of like come and go as you please. Now. Yeah. But it did used to be that the uh, common thing was what's extremely similar ripoff name doing here. I remember stuff like uh, when Kit James first showed up there and they called him the outlaw. And it's like, what's the outlaw doing here? And it's like, well, apparently he wants a job. Um, and then they got sued and they had to change his name. So The James gang was like the worst tag team name ever. <laughs> well, remember they were... Uh, the voodoo kin mafia for a while oh, which that was the worst yeah which of course if you if you do the acronyms there it's vkm it's some it was some really awful rib on uh vincent kennedy mcmahon jr that's what Wait, I really do you mean do you mean vince russo might try and find a way to get back at uh might try and find a way to get subtle quote-unquote subtle little jabs at uh, other people yeah, I don't. It, there's one thing that uh, that Vince Russo can't do is subtlety. That was about the time I gave up on um, TNA. I, I tuned in occasionally. Um, I was watching around the time of the rightly famous three-way match between um, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe, mm. but. I, it wasn't like I was wrapped attention watching everything. And then whenever AJ left, I just gave it up forever. It's actually, I would recommend watching it now. It's really good. Like they've really turned that company around and it's almost unrecognizable. It's probably the, it, I'm not saying it with, I'm outside of NXT. It is probably the best North American wrestling company right now wow that's a uh, that's high praise no kidding that's uh, huh don Callis has really done wonders for them well that's if i have access to it I, maybe i'll try and check it out it's on pop i think i dvr it most weeks <clears throat> but, um i'm not sure if i have pop i think i might uh, but I don't know. But like they, so, they they do really smart things. So like Jimmy Jacobs gets released, so they bring him in and have him managing Congo Kong, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. But then you're like, oh wait, no, this really works. Having Jimmy Jacobs cutting these really great promos for this crazy looking monster guy, and having mm-hmm. him do promos against James Mitch- James Mitchell, and having like Abyss take on Congo Kong, and stuff like that. That's, yeah, That I mean, that makes sense to have a good promo guy cutting promos for someone who doesn't cut promos. Or but if, I guess, Or if you want to see a company that does a, a good women's division, yep. Oh, well, I mean, they're the ones that, at least in North America, really kind of kick-started the good women's division and took it seriously. Yep. The Gail Kim, Awesome Kong... Uh, feud was really good and really entertaining to watch. Yeah, um, and I can't remember if I've said this on the uh, on the podcast before. I know, like I've talked about it with 
I think Brad, I think I talked to you about it, but uh, the sh- the TV show Glow, uh, Awesome Con is on that, and mm-hmm. she actually is very good. <laughs> she's actually a pretty good actress. Really? Yeah, she's a she's like a, kind of a hidden gem on that show. Like she's actually there's a there's an episode in the second season that focuses mostly upon her, and she does a fantastic job. I I actually think that show has no bad characters on it. It's a it's a shockingly good show. I guess, well, I guess, it's perhaps unfair to say shockingly, but it's one of those shows that it's it's. I was dubious it works Mark both as a on it. it. Oh, Mark Maron's tremendous on the show. I know, but I was I don't like him very much, and he kind of there's a style of comedy that um, he exemplifies to me that I don't care for. But the show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's and it's it's not afraid to actually be like funny, or it's and it's yeah. not like wink wink nudge nudge like the comedy comes from the characters in a real way i haven't gotten to watching it yet it's on my list my ever-growing list that doesn't shrink very often but um i'm gonna try and get around to it that's it's good to hear I'm going to sell it to you as this. The main character is a real-life heel that doesn't want to be a real-life heel and hates every second of it, but everyone hates her. And um, it's really amusing. It's yeah, it's actually... way of phrasing it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's well worth your time, actually. She's a likable heel, but like the way things work out, like she just she's just in that position where she needs to be hated by everyone. And... Um, you know, doesn't really relish that. Okay. Well, uh, like I said, it's on my list. I'll maybe I'll bump it up a few spots, but I will say this. We and don't it's think be, that we're going to be... I will say this, and it'll be controversial. It is better than Stranger Things. Stranger Things was good. I, I'm I'm not one of those people that like threw my hands in the air and proclaimed its glories or anything. I thought it was good. It's enjoyable. Um, so I'll uh, like I said I'll bump it up. That's a long way of us saying though that we don't think we're going to see Anzo Imore in the Impact Zone anytime soon though. <laughs> so <clears throat> with that out of the way. Um, one thing, uh, news came out this morning uh, about the unfortunate passing of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, Jim was 63 years old, and the cause of what I've found so far is he was at home and fell and hit his head, and it went from there. Um, so I wanted us to take a little time to be able to talk about memories of the Anvil and things like that. Brad, why don't you uh, go first? So one of the things that stood out to me, this is probably when, um, do you guys remember when they had the online version of 24-7? Yeah, we talked about that. So then, um, well, remember there was the on-demand for TV, but then they had like an online version too? Oh, uh, I don't know if I ever actually saw that. Uh, I just watched like the WWE 24-7 that you get off like your cable package. Oh, okay. It was only like a, it was like a few bucks a month. Well, they, they also had an online version. So at one point they were uploading um, Wrestling Challenge. 
And one of the things that really shocked me watching that was when they would have the Heart Foundation on, and this is like 86 and 87, is uh, Jim Neidhart was the talker of the group other than Jimmy Hart, and he was actually a really compelling promo. Wow, that's makes some things make more sense because later on, like in the Hitman Heart documentary, uh, Brent makes a point to take this thought that he was having and feed it over for Jim to say in this group promo with you saying that it makes plenty of sense why he'd be doing that. Cause he'd be like, nah, I know you can pull it off as opposed to it being like, I'm going to throw you a bone in the middle of this group promo. Brett wasn't a bad talker, <laughs> but I don't know that he was just kind of basic and he kind of lacked convic- conviction. Whereas Jim could just kind of like shoot off the cuff and it was interesting and it was like real you know, he could throw in like little sub, subtle pop culture references and stuff. He was just a really good talker. Oh, wow. And I think generally, like, thinking about his career in the long haul, I think he was... I think we've abused the term good worker over the years to include, like, how many moves you know and, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas with Neidhart, I would call him a good worker because, you know, he knew how to work his role... He was good with the young guys when you, like, look at his career as a whole. You know, he worked like his character. I I would be willing to call him a good worker. Sure. Um, the you, You're right. The unfortunate part is that you have, um, you know, you have someone like Neidhart who's, who's real solid. But people conflate being a good worker with work rate. And the truth of the matter is being a good worker is can you get the people invested? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it boils down to. I heard Al Snow once say the best workers that exist are people like Hogan and Andre and Rock and Austin. Not because it's about work rate because Al don't care about that. He says it's about getting people in the building and invested. So that was really, you know, that, that stuck out to me. And I would totally say that, that Jim fit that mold. Yeah. He's probably always going to be remembered best for heart foundation. Cause that's what most of us saw growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was a, he was excellent in that. Uh, he he kind of I guess you bring you bring up a good point. Um, you kind of don't think about him in terms of his like speaking ability, but he was actually very good. I remember, looking back, he always cut some of the a lot of the the Heart Foundation promos and did a really great job in it. Like when you're a kid, I guess you don't really appreciate it as much. Um, but as an adult, it's it's crazy to to, to remember some of those because he was just he he really conveyed this like intensity and this like manic energy. Um, and they kind of would try to get that over on the commentary. They would kind of present him as like the, like the psycho version, the psycho one of the, the team. Um, but again, like looking back as an adult, you kind of, you, you appreciate a little more. Um, Cause he really conveyed a lot of like intensity. And I think that that helps whatever the, the matches or feuds that he was in. Sure, that's that's a really good. 
the and I love the that, laugh. I love the laugh and like the stroking of the goatee. Yeah, the stroking. <laughs> it made it seem more crazy and sinister. I to, to this day, some dude like stroking his big ass goatee always makes me think of the anvil. Kind of an something that I feel like people forget about a lot is the fact that everywhere needs a position player. You don't need everyone that you have on your roster to be an all-star. You need some people who are good position players. You know, on a basketball team, you don't need five Michael Jordans. You you need some position players to, to fill the role. You need that on your on your wrestling roster, too. And Neidhart was great for that. You know, he didn't... You know, as part of the Hart Foundation, he was great for it, too. Okay. Also, I want to say um, uh, one little tidbit of history that he was involved with is he was part of the infamous trade that brought the Rock and Roll Express and... Um, the Midnight Express to Mid-South Wrestling. Oh, was he? Yep. So for the people that don't know that story, so um, Bill Watts brought down Jerry Jarrett and um, I think Bill Dundee because his houses were dropping. And they're like, well, we're all the blowjobs. And he's like, you know, what are you talking <laughs> about? And that's what they called like the pretty boy um, baby face tag teams that would bring the ladies in. And they said, well, you know, if you if you bring these if you bring those types in, then the ladies come in and then, you know, where the young ladies are at, the guys are in. So they agreed to send um, I believe it was Rick Rude, Jim Neidhart and King Kong Bundy to Memphis in exchange for the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. I remember that story because I heard Bill Watts tell that uh, in an interview. So that's yeah. I, is, I know it now, yeah. This is not a story I've ever heard before. But I, I would just say that no one is going to, to confuse King Kong Bundy as a <laughs> as a quote blowjob. No, I wouldn't think. Well, because like Watts' territory was filled with big, rough and tumble dudes that, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh man, those guys can get in there and fight, right? But you're only going to draw a certain part of the population with it. I'm working my way through um, some of the Mid-South that's on the network. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm only now through like 1981. So that's, I, I got quite a bit of ways to go. But uh, Boyd Pierce yeah, is it, one of my favoritest announcers of all time. Yeah. Just because he's like, well, his suits are amazing if you get him on camera. And um, I like that kind of dry, like almost um just that dry like sportscaster presentation he has mm-hmm. there's just something memorable about him yeah it's funny though because you're right like there's a lot of big dudes in uh <laughs> in what i've seen thus far and i go ahead i have to say um i don't know have you if you had bill watts on the tv yet yeah, he's uh he's popped up. What is it with what is it with those 1980s announcers? I think Gordy Gordy Soli did it too. They call Ted DiBiase Ted DiBiase. Have you heard him do that yet? <laughs> I don't think I've heard him do that yet. 
yeah, it's he he'll do that. Pay attention like next time he's on and like there's a DiBiase match. Soli had had some affectations in that uh, as well because I think he referred he didn't use the word suplex. I think he used the suplex, suplex, yeah. the classic word I for it with, instead. I think with Soli, it depended on which uh, beer he was on that night. <laughs> there's there's a lot of question whenever it comes to saying somebody's name. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw in from another fandom of mine real quick. Recently, uh, and by recently, I guess it'd be what six eight months ago. Uh, in the game League of Legends, they released a new champion. The character's name is Z O E Zoe. That's how it was supposed to be. And so I'm listening to some people talking about you know what she can do before it comes out, and they're referring to her as Zoe. And it just became more and more frustrating to hear that to the point where I turned it off or I was going to chip a tooth. It's just no one went out and established this is how you say this name or anything. And I guess nobody told Gordon. It's like, Gordon, just don't. Or maybe they did and he didn't care. (laughs) The AWA announcers do that and it drives me up the wall. We have found the key to the demise of the AWA. Oh, there's a lot of reasons for that. <laughs> so, in any uh, in any event, it's unfortunate that we lost um, the anvil. I had been hearing that he'd also had a longtime struggle with uh, seriously hard drugs as well in everything that he's done. Uh, you know, from those hard-living, hard-partying days that have kind of fallen by the wayside now. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, he had um, he had struggled with that. I think he was arrested and, and not that long ago. Hopefully he did, but uh, I guess he was experiencing a lot of other health issues. Um, I thought it was a rumor that he had Alzheimer's, but I guess it... It's kind of been confirmed that he was. I know that um, Christopher oh, really? no- Christopher Nowinski um, had sent out a tweet like months ago because um, yeah. I guess he he went to a WWE show and was uh, talking with Natalie and then tweeted a, a picture of him and Natalie together uh, and saying basically the gist of the message was you know uh, it was nice seeing Natalie Neidhart. Um, she's going through a really brave struggle with her dad dealing with Alzheimer's. And I think that most people had no idea. And that's kind of when that came out. Uh, and allegedly, unfortunately, his death, it seems, may have been linked to that. It seems like he may have suffered some sort of seizure. Oh. And eventually, you know, it, he was injured during the during the seizure and unfortunately didn't didn't make it. But it all seems kind of tied together. That's that's really unfortunate. It was kind of weird timing for me because um, Brett and Owen's widow just got into that tiff, didn't they? I'm not aware of that. I hadn't heard anything about it either. Uh, Brett was going on that she's trying to keep Owen out of the Hall of Fame. And she wrote... Um, she wrote a very I don't remember where she wrote it. She she pretty much broke her reasoning down mm-hmm. about why you know, pretty much Brett was 
100% in the wrong. And, um, you know, I don't know. I think that was a couple weeks ago, though. Wow. No, I hadn't heard anything about that. But pretty much Brett's trying to... Brett is trying to... Brett was, like, kind of throwing shade because she doesn't want Owen in the Hall of Fame. And really, he's wrong because, you know, they kind of did kill her husband. Yeah. And um, she has every right to not want to deal with them and to have Owen in their little sham Hall of Fame so they can profit off of it. So... You know, whatever. That's something to get into deeper another time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could take a uh, that could take a while. So, yeah, we're going to miss the anvil too. Even if we hadn't seen him around much, it's still unfortunate for us to have people like that go as young as they have been. I'm really glad that they're doing. Um, Things like you know concussion research and that sort of stuff. Now, that was part of why I hung up the boots when I did, trying to stay ahead of the the long term effects of that. I guess time will tell whether or not. You know, it's it's um that's a big reason I can't really watch football like I used to anymore. Is I can't watch guys uh scramble their brains over and over again. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's tough. Matt, was here's there anything some, else you want to add in? Um, here's something I was not aware of. Uh, I guess Mauro Ronaldo tweeted about uh, Jim Neidhart's passing, mm. uh, which obviously that's something that he, he's within the world of professional wrestling, so that wouldn't seem out of place. But uh, I guess I wasn't aware of this, but he apparently dated one of Jim Neidhart's daughter so he was dating i guess uh natalie's sister at some point uh oh wow yeah they're not together anymore but uh i guess that was kind of the the he was saying in his uh kind of condolences that he was offering that you know he he knew jim neidhart personally obviously because he was dating his daughter and basically intimated that jim was nothing but a, a a gentleman and a nice guy to him during that entire period so wow yeah that's yeah that just makes it even rougher to hear you know well what it was kind of hitting me in the feels today uh you, you probably saw it it was kind of passed around on social media by different people but they uh people were posting the photo of uh all the uh all the members of team canada from the canadian stampede pay-per-view which is I guess happened like what, like 21 years ago at this point? Yeah, about that. And of of all of them, only Brett is left, and that's that's that was like it really kind of brought home <laughs> how the wrestling business is just full of tragedy. Yeah, it's it takes a big toll on the folks that do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's I mean, I, part I, of. Go ahead. I hate to I hate to say this because it sounds so horrible, but it's kind of true in my eyes, but at least like, at least these days they're dying in their sixties instead of like 10 years ago when we had these guys dying in their late thirties and early forties. Yeah. 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 Of a quote unquote heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. That was 
the one that always stands out to me at that was um, Bobby Duncan Jr. died at age 34 of an overdose. <clears throat> like he had just gotten signed on to WCW. Um, he was there for something like just two years and then had an overdose and died. You know, you know what the really rough one is if you catch like um, that second WWE run with Kurt Henning or like his if I catch what? Uh, that that second that that last WWE run with Kurt oh. Henning or his TNA stuff, and you can just see the bloat in his face, and you just can tell like he's like there's something wrong with him. Yeah, yeah. He was age 44 when he passed. So how old was Eddie? Was Eddie 35 <coughs> or was he 38? Uh, let's see. He had been like 38, I think, because he was. He was 38. Yeah, and that was a result of a mix of the pain medication he had been on and uh, the steroids he used to try and come back from the car wreck he was in. And that's... God, that's awful. And then there was... how David Von Erich must have been in his 20s. Oh, yeah. the There were some members of the Von Erich family that... Who am I thinking of? Um, you thinking about Mike that got the septic shock syndrome? Probably. And then killed himself? Well, I mean, I know there was one of them that died really young. That was probably Chris. Let's see. He was... Yeah, he died at age 21. Chris did? Yeah. Okay. It, so yeah, it was suicide. Okay. Well, twenty-one. Three of them. Three of them committed suicide. Well, yeah. Um, Cornette told us in in that first big interview that you know that shoot interview that kind of seemed to kick off the shoot interview wave. He talked about it in that and said these guys went from being basically the the kings of was it Dallas or Austin? Dallas. Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah. Okay. For some reason in my head, I can't get that to stick, but basically being the princes of Dallas to, you know, the stuff, the the problems added up so much that it couldn't be overlooked anymore, and they went from the top to all the way to the bottom and couldn't handle it. Well, so. Mike and Chris were kind of different because they really shouldn't have been in the, the business, Chris especially. Mike... Um, Mike's a really bad one because he so what happened is he suffered some injury or he had some surgery and he he got the he had septic shock syndrome mm -hmm. and pretty much it pretty much fried his brain and that's why he killed himself. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, his story is actually very, very sad. Yeah, well, I mean, the entire Von yeah. Eric story is tragic, yeah. but yeah, let's see. Yeah. Shoulder surgery um, because of an injury during a tour in Israel. He was released from the hospital but developed a fever of 107 and that he was diagnosed with toxic shock syndrome and, like you said, suffered brain damage as a result because if it gets over, what is it, over 104, then you basically start cooking your own brain. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's... It's unfortunate. And you know, it was the 80s at the time, so they didn't have any of that shit figured out. 
yeah, that's the, that was kind of just like on the front end uh, of this stuff being discovered. Yeah. So, um, I do want to take take a minute and just kind of look back at at what Jim, you know, how he was in the ring too, because I mentioned earlier being a position player. So, kind of, you know, when you had the Heart Foundation, you had um, Brett and Jim working together. Uh, Jim was kind of working as a setup guy, you know being the anvil that's the kind of guy that you know you're you're smashing somebody against in classic military tactics so um i haven't gotten to watch as much of his stuff or when i did i wasn't paying as close attention as i should have so um if either one of you want to expound on it a little bit well have either of you seen any of his early stampede stuff because i have not i've only seen him you know wwf and then afterwards. No, I've seen the earliest stuff. I think I've seen a little bit of him in Georgia. I know I've seen mm-hmm. his Mid-South stuff. And I've seen some of his Memphis stuff. But, um... You know, him as a singles is not, like, an easy thing to find. Like, even in Mid-South, I think he was teaming with Butch Reed. And I think even in Georgia, he was with um, King Kong Bundy. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that is a massive tag team. You know, even he was big as Bundy is. Neidhart, what he he wasn't small, but wow. No, and, and um, it's it's not as known about Bundy, but back in his younger days, Bundy was quite the uh, the spectacle. He was a lot more agile. Yeah. And he wasn't he, quite. He wasn't quite like Bam Bam Bigelow doing cartwheels, but no. he was uh, more, more mo- mobile. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, Jim Neidhart was kind of. I would. He was kind of like that agile, like I would say, that step below super heavyweight kind of guy. But I, I, I've honestly seen mostly his WWE um, stuff. He, The the only time that I can remember specifically seeing Neidhart as a singles guy was that stint he had in WCW. And I remember that he he worked Fit Finley a little bit in that stretch where Booker T and Lord Voldemort were having their best of seven series. See, I thought um, I re- primarily remember him teaming with uh, Davy Boy. He did, but he he worked Finley in single stuff as kind of a not really but kind of feud while the other two were having their thing for the number one contender slot. I'm trying to remember if I saw that stuff. I must have seen that, but I've seen so much stuff it's hard to remember. Yeah, that's kind of what I run into as well is, is trying to sort through all of it. Um, it stuck with me at the time because, like you said, we had just seen him as a tag guy, and here he comes to you know have a match with the TV champion, which is fine. That's kind of what that belt was for. Um, but by the way, 
I am drawing a complete blank, and I don't want to go clacking on my keyboard any more than I absolutely have to, because I know you guys at home can hear it, and that's got to be frustrating to you. But uh, for the life of me, I cannot. Did Nightheart have a singles finish? Power slam, I think. Just a regular power slam. I can look okay. I know oh, I've that seen would be. Him, I know I've seen him pin people with a power slam. Okay. Let me look. It's it's <clears throat> that would be interesting because then you would have in the Heart Foundation you would have Jim using just a power slam and David Boy using the the uh, running power slam, which is like a less involved version of the Oklahoma Stampede, if memory serves. If I'm wrong, please let me know. I don't mean to be wrong. I don't like spouting off stuff, but. Sometimes I just don't remember correctly. Too many knocks to the head. Well, let me look. Uh, oh. It looks like a power slam of some sort. Okay. Anvil flattener, according to YouTube. <laughs> that's... I can't decide if that's a good name or not. <laughs> I don't know. They, they had some They had some crappy names at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was something that I always struggled with was coming up with an actual good name for for my finishers, and a lot of times I just called it whatever the name of it was. Yeah, you I, know, I, for every every decent finisher name, there is there's five bad ones. Yeah, the when I used the ankle lock, I just called it an ankle lock. When I would used um, uh, the Jumping DDT, I called it a blackout because it kind of fit my gimmick at the time. My my gimmick was I wore a lot of my my ring gear was black, and then to really piss people off, I wore a tap out t shirt whenever I was doing the bodyguard thing, so that I was I was I reminded them of that douchebag, mm-hmm. that guy they know who can't shut up about it. So I'm wearing this big tap out thing that goes across the side of my body just to piss people off. I had nobody ever said anything specific about it, but you know, wearing a lot of black, I figure I use the blackout. That's a fine name. Um, when I was in a, the tag team VIP, we, we didn't get to do it, but once, which is unfortunate because I was actually, I kind of liked it. Um, because for a while I used a flatliner, but a flatliner is not a good finish. Um, no, it's a bad it's, finish. It's it's a decent transition move, and it works if you combo it with something else. The guy I was tagging with had formerly used the stroke as a finish, so we just grabbed a guy, and I'd do a flatliner, and he'd do a stroke at the same time, so it looks like both of us are trying to plant the guy as a tag finish. I thought it looked good, but... And we called it the velvet rope because we were the VIP and you can't cut through the velvet rope and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, otherwise, then you look around and it's, you've got a guy on the card who's, um, Nick, oh, who am I thinking of? Somebody suggested we had a pair of guys on our card who could fly. Um, one of them was the guy in that match I showed you, Brad, that, uh, the um, the Russian chain match, he was in that tag team. That's where he started from. And they were Team Extreme because, you know, 
Colby could cut 450s and split leg moonsaults and stuff like that. And they said, why don't you call your tag finish the Exterminator? And I just started laughing. I wasn't even part of the conversation, but I heard that and I started laughing. The guy goes, what's that? I said, dude, I'm sorry, but that's awful. That reminds me of uh, Major League Two and he's like, if you can hit this pitch, you can name it. And the guy hits a home run off. He's like, I'm going to call that the masturbator. That's right, because he had different names for every one of his pitches. Yeah. Wow. I had forgotten all about that. Some of my favorite finisher names are actually from the Champions of the Galaxy card game. Oh. So they had um they had this giant lizard guy that this is so this game came out in the eighties, so so put that in the backdrop for at least the first character. Yeah, you had told me about it, but I Okay, okay. So the, it was this big you. lizard guy called Comrade Terror, and his he did a pile driver as his finisher, and it was called the Atomic Warhead. You know, stuff like that works, and that's – I like, you know, sometimes things just, just fit, right? And then, and then there's some that just don't. And then one guy had like a 450 splash that he called like the Cosmic Big Bang – See, that one's a little bit too long for me. Um, the to, to have a finisher name that goes on too long, I heard somewhere a quote, and it was attributed to Ric Flair. So I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes sense. It was in regards to submission finishers. He says, if it takes you all day to put on, then there's no reason for you to use it. And if you think about, you know, the figure four, you pick up the leg, you step over, you grab the other one, you hook it in, you drop to the mat. That makes sense. I think it also um, applies in terms of if the name takes too long to say, then you're not going to hook anybody with that. There's just, if it's too much of a mouthful, nobody's going to say it. So should we... No, we're good. Should we, right. should, we, uh, should we get the old shovels out? Yeah, we're going to get them shovels out. Right, Matt? Yeah, let's get the okay. shovels out. All right, we got a lot next, of burying to do. We do. We do. This will make sure that we are uh, never, ever, 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 ever popular with folks in the big leagues because I know that was huge on our agenda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so we're going to do a delightful little theme music episode. <laughs> And then things started happening, starting with this story. Yeah. The story came out recently with a guy who had been hired on as a writer in 2005. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, Court I remember Bauer. the story. It was Court Bauer? Yeah. All right. He told it on <clears throat> that MLW podcast or whatever, like back in 2012 or something. Okay. The, um, the story came out oh, wait, that... Wait. Hold on. When he got hired. Let me. Uh, okay, go ahead. I gotta set the. I gotta set the mood for us. Okay, go ahead and play it. Okay, you can continue. <laughs> All right. So, the story was that in that time period, whenever there was a new writer, and they met Randy Orton, he he would shove his hand down the front of his pants and pull his junk out. And then try and shake hands with that hand with that writer. And if they wouldn't do it, then 
he would start like chewing on him. You know, oh, you're trying to big league me? You're too good for us. You're too good to work here. You're too good to shake my hand. And so the question is, you know, was were the voices in Randy's head telling him to expose his other head too? Um, Bauer also said. I hope he. The, I certainly hope when he did this, he had the music playing in the back. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a little part of me that just wonders if these guys wander around with their own music on their phone, like whenever Dean Ambrose's <laughs> ringtone goes just off, so, does it just go so he could boot it up? Like, yeah. I um, think I think Randy Orton goes around uh, hoping he can RKA the Hulk like uh, that um, that meme. But the court story was that whenever he tried to do it to court, Stephanie walked in the room. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like a teacher walking in the room. Everything stopped immediately. Like, Horton packed back up and, like, didn't do anything. But he saw him do it repeatedly. So, all of this begs the question, what in the actual hell, Right. So I guess let's first ask the question, do we believe that this actually happened? And I mean, I know um, Court Bauer is saying that it did, um, but do we believe it? I believe. And I, some, I postulate yes. <laughs> I, I postulate that there, there are some earmarks of exaggeration here, but that mm. I would say the general premise happened. I can agree with that, especially with the stories going around about Orton at that time. Supposedly, he's grown up a bit now, like he's matured some now, but especially at that time, I, I could totally believe that. Well, this was this was around the era of the hotel room destruction, the and some of the, his other incidences. Yeah, was this around the time of the modification of the wellness policy for Orton? That came later. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, can you talk a little more about the um, the other stuff floating around him at the time? The hotel room was on a that was on like a UK tour or something, and they sent him home, and I guess he trashed his room or something like that. I remember I was annoyed by that because I think at the same like around the same time as when they fired Rhino for the argument with his wife where he accidentally broke the potted plant. And it was very uh, it was a very hypocritical um, fire one person for a lesser incident and letting someone slide on a far worse. Offense. Wait, wait, wait. They fire. Say what? If they fired Rhino for accidentally breaking something. Well, he might have done was it on purpose. Argument. He might have done it on purpose, but I mean, okay. I would say I would say it's accidental in the sense that he probably, you know, didn't think I'm going to break that potted plant. And yet, okay. Well, I can't say that surprises me either. No, and then um. There's some other incidences going around in my head, but some of those, like there is the story that he took a dump in someone's bag, but I don't know. Yeah, if, that was. I don't know. That if, was like the classic one. I don't know if that actually happened or not. I've heard some pushback on that story <laughs> recently. That he, it might have been he poured baby oil in their bag. 
which is, you know, one's horrible and one's kind of like, well, that's kind of a mean thing to do, but. The story that I had heard was, at least on that, was that he did that to um, one of the girls who was on the Diva search. Yeah. Incidentally, it was one of the one of the girls who was uh, one of the twins that was in the Diva search, who someone in my family kind of knew growing up. Well, that's weird. Yeah, that's. Like, I, I think I accidentally walked past them at a local festival once, and I told that story, and someone said, did you ever ask them how hard it was to clean viper poop out of a bag? And I, <laughs> you know, asking that question's funny, but there's no way in hell I'm actually going to ask that question. Yeah. So, I had, a, I had a kind of a, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of thoughts about this story in general, because... So, I mean, your first reaction is kind of like, oh, it's Randy Orton and he's gotten away with murder his whole career. You know, screw that guy. I hope they fire him. But then, like, I kind of I was thinking about it. And I mean, like I said, I think this happened at the bare minimum. But my question really is, like, when's the last time he did this to someone? Because that really is going to impact my opinion on this, I think, a lot more like what should be done to him than anything. Because like if, you know, he was doing this 10 to 12 years ago and he stopped, like, I mean, at what point do you hold someone accountable for what their young and stupid and obviously asshole self was doing? If they've figured that out and not, you know, and stopped on their own. Right. At what point did they learn their lesson? Yeah, like if, like if like if he's been if he was doing this five years ago, okay, yeah, let's let's get rid of him because he's obviously not catching on. But like if we're if we're talking about something that he hasn't done in thirteen years, like I'm a little less comfortable like wanting to hold someone accountable for something they did thirteen years ago. That's a good point because it sounds like well the implication I think is that if this was a few years ago, so because. Um, I'm not even sure why this is like a big deal now. I know it's fun to like goof on him because of this. Someone, because because the big thing now is to dig through anyone with any kind of celebrity's life and try and take them down because that's what for any little offense because that's what we've been reduced to because of social media. Yeah, yeah. the The social outrage has gotten to a point where. Let's just see whose life we can ruin because we can. But judging by when Court Bauer worked there, this incident that he's discussing is probably 12-ish years old. If I have my timeline right. Or 10 years or so. Well, let's consider for a second. Um, This would... I'm going to guess. This would fall into the realm of sexual harassment. I don't know what the statute of limitation on that is and then you also got to bear in mind the the atmosphere at the company is a lot different now than it used to be too um not excusing it but with that sort of stuff going on is the question is is it surprising the thing about that that would be surprising to me is to have a wrestler doing this to someone who is not involved in the live performance, you know, not a wrestler, not a, not a ref, not a manager, 
um, anything like that. Um, knowing the kinds of shenanigans that jocks get into, <coughs> it does not surprise me. I'm not saying it does. Well, it's it's to a point. Uh, you know what, Matt? What what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, athletes do do stupid things like this because they think it's funny. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess based upon all the other things you've heard about Orton, and Orton seems like kind of like a weird dude. Uh, I kind of do believe this sort of thing happened, but well, he's he kind of um, got brought up I, in the business, and like we've we've touched on it briefly on other shows, but like the. We've kind of briefly talked about how we don't like the sociopathic like ribs they used to pull on each other. Yeah. And I think um you know he's third generation so like he came up with that like I don't know it's just some of the old ribs are 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 funny. Some of the you know the the st- Raven told the story about Mr. Fuji having the guy drive for 4 hours to get to a show. And then on the way back, it only took him 15 minutes because Fuji was screwing with him. But, you know, he was along for the ride, too. That's at least kind of amusing, right? Mm-hmm. But the the story about, you know, feeding somebody's dog to him and crap like that. Oh, what in the hell? And then, you know, this is like... Because it seems to me he would do this to writers because they think he could get away with it with them. But if he tried to do that to one of the boys, they'd either laugh at him or they might, you know, bag tag him and say, back off, punk. I think I think the problem with them, them punishing him now is so you got to go back. You got to figure out the people you could have potentially done it to. Got to track those people down. They have to actually remember it happening and then feel like. It's or or be willing to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I think the people hoping that this is going to take him down like there. I think there are some logistical hurdles that they're going to have to cross over to even be able to think about that for starters. And they might not even be able to like necessarily track people. He did it to down and or have them be willing to say, yeah, he did that. Would this fall under a case of hearsay in a legal sense? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Well, Bauer said it didn't happen to him because Stephanie was around. So, is part of what I had read. Um, yeah, it's a weird story. Um. I don't know what I mean, else to say other than that. Yeah, it's it's certainly you know it's it, at this point it's just like rumors going around, uh, which I guess they're investigating. Which to me is it, it all just seems kind of ridiculous. It's it's uh, who knows if they're actually doing that, or if that's just you know the press release they're saying because this is like say something of, right? Yeah, this is some sort of thing they they have to. Uh, kind of give a statement saying like oh we're taking this seriously but i think i think nothing will ever be heard of this again because the next outrage is going to come along in about three days and everyone's going to forget about it yeah 
I, I could definitely see that happening. Because, like, look at the look at the Hulk Hogan thing. <coughs> Whatever happened with the Hulk Hogan thing, nothing. Yeah. Because people it, found something else to be upset about. It didn't have enough... Um, it just didn't have enough to keep people pissed off about it, I guess. Yeah, this is where the uh, collective short attention span of uh, people on <laughs> in social media, for sure, is going to benefit them. Yeah. Yeah. And because I think, I think, like I said, I think it's hard because, like, so let's go back to the moolah thing. There is a very tangible story to the moolah thing. You had names, you had people, you had their stories, you had counter stories. Like, there is a very tangible thing with people that could be sought out for comment. I think where this is going to have trouble is you don't have that. You don't have anyone to come along and keep, like, that story going or be, like, the face of that story. You have a story that Court Bauer told and he, he said is true on social media but didn't necessarily happen to him, even though, like I said, I think... I think at worst it has some slight exaggeration with the story being 85% true with the little touches to make it more entertaining, but I just don't. Yeah, what, it's go ahead, Matt. But what, just as an aside, like what context was Court Bauer giving this in? Was he just saying like, Oh yeah, this is like a funny story or was he like, I don't know actually listen to this crazy story. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't know him, but, um, I've I've heard him I think on podcasts or things like that and this doesn't he doesn't strike me as someone who'd be like I'm so offended that this thing happened it seems to me that he would almost be like this is like a, a funny slash weird thing that Orton did back in the day I always think about like you remember um you remember in in Matt you'll probably remember this remember when Patrice talked on ONA about working for the WWE Mm -hmm. and like you know a lot of it was like well this is just how it was but a lot of it when you really thought about like wow that's a really toxic work environment and that really sucks but (laughs) so it could have just been like one of those things but i i haven't heard the clip because someone went back and dug this up like i have think he was just talking about like his time there and be like well this is you know something that happened here like or maybe like you know, what did you think about these people? Like, oh, you know, Randy Orton was, you know, a douche. He did this. You know, that's kind of what I'm guessing it was. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking it was like, oh, this is this hilarious, like, story of hijinks, but more of a, you know, this is what my time there was like. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. It was a crazy environment. Yeah. Pulling their dicks out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of lacks know, the context, it, doesn't it? This is only in like the world of professional wrestling can this sort of thing <laughs> happen. You can't do this in well, unless you're Louis C.K. Any other... Oh well, yeah. I would not be surprised if it used to happen in like baseball and stuff, but they clamped down on it really hard, and we just didn't hear about it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, wrestling is in this odd place of still being kind of insular and that sort of thing. Well, you know, no, I mean, let's we this happened all the way at the top. Remember, um, 
good old LBJ would have his secretary come in and he would notate to her while he was taking a dump. <laughs> yeah, I had successfully managed to forget about that. Um, <laughs> but that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I ruined your evening. No, it's not ruined. Uh, uh, there, it'd take a little bit more than that to ruin the evening for me. <laughs> okay, so I, think, um, I also think going with the LBJ thing. Oh, I think um, I think Milton Berle too. They were both proud of their uh, packages and liked to show it to people. I know that LBJ definitely did that. But I think Milton Berle I, was usually only usually produced when um, asked. Oh, okay. Someone had to. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'm I'm kind of guessing that we're on the same page of this is really weird, but we don't expect anything more to actually come out of it. No. Yeah. And if true, okay. it was sexual harassment. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. <clears throat> Going into our next topic. I'm going to need to prep for this a little bit. <laughs> I could, so I wanted to read the, his passive aggressive email to Colt, uh, but I couldn't read. I couldn't track it back down to read it. All right. What I'm going to do the email. Is I'm yeah. I'm going to take us back. I, I mean, I, I have the, the email stage. pulled up. Oh, great. Okay. I'm going to yeah. take us back and set the stage. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, you know, we talked on our podcast a while back about the weekend of CM Punk winning a lawsuit and then losing a fight. Like, losing a fight really bad. Like, embarrassingly badly. And kind of talking about how we talked on that one a lot about how you know, Punk kind of seemed to be really kind of a miserable person in the interaction he had with Corey Graves, right? Well, it turns out that Colt Cabana got pulled into this lawsuit because he did not... There was a demand letter that was sent to him by, I think, Dr. Amon's legal team that said they wanted the podcast taken down. Punk said his lawyers would handle it and Colt got another letter, and Punk said, well, we'll make sure you're 100% covered. So Colt didn't take it down. Therefore, in the lawsuit, Colt was rolled into it. <clears throat> As this went along, though, Punk told Colt that he was not going to pay Colt's legal bill for being rolled into this after being told he was going to be covered. And... There was something about switching attorneys that were in there as well. Colt, and so Colt, is, Colt has turned around and sued CM Punk. Colt is alleging that he got dropped by those attorneys right before the case was supposed to go to trial, and he is surmising that CM Punk was behind it. Okay. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, clarify a couple of details. Like, the uh, apparently the total amount of... Uh, legal fees for the lawsuit was slightly over half a million dollars. So uh, that's something that Punk can afford. That's not something that Cole Cabana can afford. 
Right. Um, and I could be wrong on this, but I thought, it, yeah, he Colt wanted to when when they had the falling out, which apparently was during the lawsuit. Uh, Colt wanted to get his own attorneys, and I don't, I can't recall, guys, if if, if the way the story goes, if if uh, Punk was behind that or or there were I think ultimately Punk was like no 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 I'll just pay the I'll pay the legal fees which was it because I think I, I've heard it now two different ways He's, he originally was going to change when Punk started pulling this but he thought it was too far <laughs> along in the process and then I think they dropped him like two or three months out from the case I've got a note here that Colt said he was going to switch attorneys the firm that was representing them which the name I have here is Brenner and Loeb. Emailed him to say, despite your unwillingness to contribute to your legal fees, I'm still prepared to represent you. And Phil is prepared to have me represent you and cover your legal fees going forward, as long as there's no conflict between the two of you. Um, so Colt stays. And then in March, the firm withdrew as Colt's counsel. I don't know if that helps. Sorry. Uh, I was looking at that while you were talking. I don't mean to be retreading around. No, that's, that, that's, that's, that, that's about what I thought it was. I was trying yeah. to go off memory for some of this stuff. Right. And it seems that in April of 2016, um, which I wasn't aware that this is like how far back they had, uh, they had the fallout, but, uh, and, and by the way, it seems to be the story, I guess we don't know for sure. Um, maybe, people who are in the know like Meltzer might know for sure but it seems that the rumors that the fallout was that what Cabana went to a WWE show like a either a Raw or like a house show or something was backstage talking to people and because Punk is kind of like a psychopath and it was basically cutting cutting anyone who had any ties with the WWE even as remotely as this out of his life uh cold going backstage he took that poorly and basically said you know what we're not friends anymore let me let me Um, check because i know i saw a comment on what cold actually did and i don't think it was actually even he went backstage okay i mean you can kind of in one way you can kind of look at that as maybe punk could have taken it as punk i'm sorry as as cold turning on him because that is there's an implication that the only reason that Colt was even brought into the lawsuit to begin with is that um, Dr. Ahmad's attorneys or the WWE if you believe that the WWE was the one behind the lawsuit and secretly funding the lawsuit um, the I, there's an implication that potentially they, they only brought Colt in so that he could be turned against Punk Um and then kind of, you know, pr- provide, I don't know, testimony, something at the at the hearing, at the, at the trial uh, against him, used against him. Um, which, if true, is kind of nefarious, but also kind of, like, interesting legal strategy. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if that, if Punk was thinking that was kind of what was going on here, then his reaction might be a little more reasonable, but still... Um, it's kind of given the the context that we have that he was he was pulling this sort of thing on other people like again that 
he ditched Corey Graves as a friend. He uh, apparently stopped being friends with Chris Jericho over all of this. Just basically anyone who had still had any ties to WWE, which is completely cutting him out of his life. He cut Hornswoggle uh, out over asking for a mutual friend's phone number that he had lost. Yeah, I mean, I think Punk is kind of a just an asshole. I think that's just who he is as a person. I know people who are Punk fans... We'll disagree, and that's fine. And okay. <laughs> that's your. I don't know what ahead. kind of standing they have to really disagree on that, given <laughs> what we have in front of us. But okay, well, according... people who are defending. Sorry to cut you off, okay. right? People who are defending uh, Punk preemptively with this Colt Cabana lawsuit are basically saying, you know, like, oh, Colt's like a. The only reason Colt has a career is because he was writing Punk's coattails, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, what? Okay, I've, I've, I didn't. I've my familiarity it. with Cabana didn't have anything to do with CM Punk. It was because he was funny, and I would see him, you know, have have these really amusing comedy matches and be a great talker. And I didn't even realize they were buddies until this podcast came out. I mean, their their early careers were kind of linked together, but okay. um, Colt really found his way after the WWE. And became a yeah. bigger star, which has nothing to do with Colt. I mean, with CM Punk. So I, I did find right. out. So David, according to David Bixenspan, and he does a lot of the media stuff, he's saying Cabana never visited backstage. After the lawsuit was filed, he went to dinner with two friends from the roster when they were in town. Mm, so he wasn't even. That's according to David he... Bixenspan. So he didn't even go backstage, according to him. Bix. Um... Bixen Span is actually someone who I would actually find credible on this. So, yeah, that's what he said on that's what he said on pro wrestling only when it was being talked about. Well, that's even worse then because it's it's not even like he was backstage in an event. He was just having dinner with people. Yeah, it's like not like he was people. Yeah, he wasn't backstage trying to leverage for a job out of it. Yeah, but, yeah, he's visiting with some buddies who were in town. What I don't understand is how can you defend Punk? Like I, I and no one here is, but like there's people that are still trying to defend him. So, according to the email, he wants mm-hmm. he wants Colt to pay what two hundred and fifty grand. I have I think the, he's leave, trying to leave him on the hook for all of it now. I have the email in front of me. You want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead yeah. and read it. Because this this so this, this email a, really shows you the kind of person Punk is. Yeah, this is on um, the email that I guess uh, had. Punk sent to Cabana in April of 2016. Um, and this was, of course, regarding the, the lawsuit. And remember, according to Cabana, but I guess other sources as well, uh, Punk initially stated that he was going to, to fund the, the legal fees for both of them. So I guess at some point during the, uh, the, the lawsuit was filed, I believe, in early 2015. That sounds about right. He's... Both of them, and then in April 2016, Punk uh, sent uh, an email to Cabana, which said, "Quote: To date, I have spent five hundred and thirteen seven hundred and thirty-six dollars on this Amon lawsuit. My outstanding current bill is at least three hundred k. Half of all this is yours. Divide the total amount of the lawsuit by two, and that is what you owe me and what I expect you to pay me. Starting now, I will no longer be paying your bills. You are on your own. Whatever my bill is currently will be cut in half, and half will be yours. If you choose to make this all ugly, that's fine, too. 
I hope you won't, but I gave up on you doing what is right a long time ago. End quote. Uh, and then from, from there, uh, Cabana notified their joint legal counsel that he was looking to, you know, get his own attorneys from this. Um, but he told them, you know, we, we had an agreement. Uh, oh, I guess he's, he was saying that he, there was an agreement that was ultimately reached, as we said, that uh, that firm would continue representing both of them and uh, cover all the fees going forward. So, yeah, uh, eventually they did withdraw earlier this year. <laughs> or, or, oh, sorry earlier in uh, 2017 it looks like wow so i have a question for you too and okay i was thinking about my own personal financial um standing in life i do pretty well i couldn't pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars in legal expenses without like going into serious debt and i don't even think i could raise that kind of money without like some sort of GoFundMe page or winning the lottery. Cause I don't think someone would necessarily loan me that kind of money. Yeah. You're certainly you're for that amount of money. And over the course of just a couple of years, um, you are getting some pretty decently priced attorneys. Like, like they're, they're charging a good amount on an hourly basis. And it's, it's shockingly not that difficult to rank up, uh, pretty expensive fees but even so i'm with you like i i, I couldn't afford that there's and, no way in hell i could do that uh, uh punk because he did make some good money uh at least for a few year period could probably afford that cabana no way like i mean cabana never had a big run um anywhere i guess other than ring of honor but you know there's no chance he was making that i would say that sort of cash that would have been cm punk's last ufc fight would have covered his legal bills yeah yeah he, he got five hundred thousand. he got five hundred thousand for when he lost to mickey gall so I think I think that's what upsets me is he's he's nickel and diming someone that's been his friend for probably 20 years over an amount that probably to him like yeah that sucks but it's not life changing and he's trying to riddle someone that's supposed to be his friend with probably life altering debt yeah I, I mean, $500,000, I think, for most people would be life-altering, even like a punk who may have a few million in the bank if he's, you know, not been crazy spending. Yeah. Um, but still, like, it I, it seems, I guess, you know, there, there's always there potentially more to the story, but for the level of what's going on here, it's like, what the hell kind of fallout did they really have? If it really was just about cabana having dinner with people like that's that's enough for you to like fuck over your friend for the to the tune of half like a half of uh basically a quarter of a, a million dollars he seems yeah to- uh over some over like a, a lawsuit that he was only dragged into because of what you did on his podcast yeah i was and- gonna say cabana could have just taken the the podcast down and probably been left out of it. He left it up because punk told him it'll be okay. I'll take care of it. Well, because mm-hmm. punk got what he wanted out of him. So he didn't have to, he didn't have to. Well, the, so Cabana's, I guess we should 
talk briefly about what Cabana, what Cabana's lawsuit is um, alleging. He's filing on two different charges. Okay. The first is a contract contractual, like breach of contract. Um, and the second one is fraud, which is a, a tort action in this case. People think that fraud is, they kind of think, when people hear the word fraud, I think they think potentially just like the criminal aspect of it, but there's also the civil aspect of it, and that's what Cabana seems to be suing Punk on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so for those who don't know, I actually I do have a legal background, <laughs> so I, I have a, a slightly different perspective on this than maybe like a regular person. I think looking at this, obviously I don't know. I've, I haven't really read all the pleadings. I think I read a, a page or two of what had been kind of circulated out there. Uh, and I, we're not going to people out here in, a, in just looking at this from afar, reading it on news sites, we're not going to get all the, the nitty gritty of what's being alleged and all the evidence, that sort of thing. But my basic take on this is I don't know if he could really win on the contractual claim, the breach of contract, which would actually be a tort too. But I don't know if he would win on that because the key issue is so with legally with contracts, you have to have an offer and acceptance. You have to have some sort of consideration. And you have to agree to whatever the contract is uh and this is where i think it's going to get tricky for him because it's i guess uh the offer would be like hey i'm cm punk i'm offering to you colt cabana that i'll fund all of the legal fees for this lawsuit however much they are which obviously punk would uh sorry cabana would accept but i think the issue is kind of like well, what consideration is it um which is a good question because it's like well, what what did uh what did punk get out of uh, you know, funding the entire venture for the both mm-hmm. of them. Well, I was gonna add, gonna say, didn't he have, like, didn't he save the text message, the original one where Punk told him to keep it up and that he would take care of it? I think so, he does. He's he's alleging that he does. So, with that being said, this whole, it, 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 tell me if I'm not understanding correctly, but it sounds to me like that Cabana is saying the only reason that I left this up is because you told me that you would take care of it. When I got drug into this, you know, where I'm, I'm because I left it up because you told me you'd take care of it. <clears throat> then I get drug into this and then you tell me that stuff changes, you know, you're, you're changing what we're going to do on this. But again, we still have, the letter that comes back from the law firm that says, no, stay with us. You know, he says he's going to be covering this, right? Yeah. And that's where I think his stronger, um, his stronger claim is actually the fraud. Cause that would kind of go to work <coughs> that he's, he, he did these things. I E, uh, leave, leave the, the podcast up, not basically not comply with the demand letter that the, mm-hmm that Amon's attorney sent. What uh, kind all, of weight uh, does a demand letter have? Mm, I mean, it could vary. Uh, I mean, in this case, obviously, a, a, a multi-million dollar lawsuit resulted from it. So, Right. Um, I think his stronger claim is the fraud claim because he, he can 
make a legit argument that, you know, I the only reason I, I was sued and now owe all this money in legal fees is because I went along with your wishes. And even when I was like, hey, this is like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. I kind of want to take it down. You're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Leave it up. And even then, again, after Punk was like, you know, and I don't want to pay the legal fees, Cabana was like, okay, I'll get my own counsel. And he was still told, oh, yeah, don't worry. Like, Punk will still fund all of the legal ventures going on here. So uh, I think that's where punks may have uh, maybe a little bit over a barrel. Um, yeah. Again, like the, the the breach of contract thing, I think that's a little more iffy because uh, the, the question is like, what consideration did, did punk really get? It's like, what did punk really get out of Cabana, like being part of the lawsuit? Unless you can make an argument um, that the kind of consideration that he got out of it, whether it's explicit or... Me impl- like implied. I don't know if it's implied, that'd be like a harder proof. But I guess you could consider like the consideration would be that uh, Cabana would be on Punk's side. He's not going to turn on him and then testify against him at the right. lawsuit, saying, you know, uh, I didn't want Punk to say this. Punk only Punk was trashing him. I don't. I didn't believe any of it, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. That's that. I think is an iffy claim, but the fraud one, I think it is something that there's Wait. a little bit of a bite to it. Can, can I ask a question in regard to the fraud? Sure. Would Cole mm-hmm. have an argument of he said he was going to take care of it, and he made these financial decisions without asking me, and mm-hmm. I would not, you know, going along with like he would have taken the podcast down. Like I would not have chose. I would not have picked a law firm that would have hit me with a $500,000 legal bill. Like, can he go with the defrauding there as well? He could make that argument, but I I don't think that would help him. No. Just because it's like... As like an aside to everything you're basically, else. Like with yeah, because he would basically be arguing, it's like, yeah, well, like, I agreed for Punk to pay for all the... I mean, the argument is like, well, yeah, he said that he would cover all the legal, fence, uh, legal expenses, so I just, you know, I went along with that, but... And I made really what he has to argue is like I made decisions that were ultimately detrimental towards me based upon punk saying that uh, I don't think a good argument is like, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm annoyed because he went with a really expensive law firm. Like well, I mean, he I could mean, make going, that argument. I'm going along with what you're saying, though, like add that into the detrimental like, OK, well, I left this podcast up like I deferred to him on financial decisions and he made financial decisions i could not afford without you know consulting me like maybe that's that then we're getting into like a really contextual thing where we'd have to know the details of the case because he he, maybe he can make that argument if he's like look punk was having the law firm do all of this like extra legal work for the claim that i wasn't sure was necessary but that's getting really like specific like we we obviously don't have those details You'd have to be able to pick that sort of specific stuff out, too, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, the other part to this, my understanding, is that um, you said there were two pieces to it. And um, Cabana is asking for different um, judgments or damages. Uh what is he asking for? One of them is two hundred thousand, and one of them is one point two million. Yeah, the two hundred thousand, I think, is just basically like to cover the legal fees. I think that's what he's kind of looking okay. for. And then the one point two, I think, is what is it? Just punitive damages? Probably. 
I mean, that's something you always argue for. It's all. It's always like the uh, well, you know, my pain and suffering. You always ask for that, and, and whether you're going to get that or not, is, I think, or whether you're going to get the amount that you're asking for is another thing. I think that's also a carefully calculated amount that would hurt Punk very much. It would probably make him back off on and just pay this stuff and get it possibly, yeah, to try and get him to settle for it. Yeah, just to say like, fine, fine, I'll pay it, you big baby, and make it go away. Because that's yeah. If I was in if I was in Colt's shoes, that's probably my what my strategy would be. I could yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, I guess uh, what's being theorized um, is that this won't even ever go to trial. It'll just be settled, which I can absolutely see. I mean, I don't think either one of these guys actually wants to go through another lawsuit trial, yeah. but who knows? We'll we'll see. I mean, I guess best case scenario for. Uh, Cabana would just be the for, for Punk to pay the total amount, and that'll be that. But I, I then not bother him anymore. Yeah, which that's gonna happen anyway. But I feel I feel really bad for Colt in this situation because it's like you, you did your friend a solid. Let him let him tell his side of the story on your podcast. You get freaking sued because of it. Then he gives you really terrible legal advice, what his lawyers do, so that you can placate his ego, and then he freaking just turns on you midway through. Like, that's just... There was uh, one person made a comment that I, I kind of resonated with me um, in that <clears throat> we have all of this happening. Also, uh, you know... Punk saying, you know, uh, I gave up on you <clears throat> a long time ago, and Colts had to deal with all the weight that comes with this. And people are still defending this guy. The The comment that they said was, because he cut a really good promo seven years ago. <laughs> I, for for the sake of, of argument, yes, he wrestled really well in that time, you know, Punk wrestled really well in that time frame, <clears throat> but what made him stand out? You know what 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 was the big thing that made him famous was really doing that right. That was the the big like springboard prominence thing, and it seems like he's just trying to make sure that they doesn't have any friends anymore. He is going to die alone and no one is going to care about him on his deathbed. He's going to die in some <laughs> old folks home with nurses stealing his money and all that stuff because. And how long is it going to be before AJ Lee just decides she's had enough? I, I can't answer that question, but I mean, you know, I, I'm I don't not know saying she, that anyone has an answer even, on that. I'm just, but like, even think about like, um, she's, she seems a little kooky, yeah. so I don't know. She'll probably stick around a while. But remember, he got a total pass for, um, the way he treated Daphne, too. I've heard stories about how he treated Daphne and how he treated Maria, uh, and, and stuff like that. I, I, not anything concrete, but that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, let, let's make it clear. It wasn't anything like violently abusive. It was like, uh, you were just some plaything I'm done with and I'm dropping you. 
type okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, it, it's clear that we do clarify that. It, it's good that we clarify if, if that. If you go back and read, like, the way he treated some of his girlfriends, it really, it's really a window into the way he sees people is just his, his little playthings and when you're no longer doing what he wants or he's done with you, he just he doesn't even treat you like a person anymore. I, <clears throat> uh, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I have had toxic people I had to cut out of my life. I do not remember anyone this bad in my, that was a friend of mine. Like, Maybe if I sat and thought about it, I'd come up with a friend of a friend somewhere. But, wow. Um, if Colt has any friends left, I'm sure that they're cutting ties and running right now. You mean Punk? Yeah, Punk. Colt, God, poor guy. You know, he's been just trying to trying to be entertaining and do his thing and, you know, wrestle where he can and put on a good podcast and he's got this hanging over his head. I'm not saying that he's a, a, uh, you know, he's a saint. No, I've heard some stories about, uh, the way Cole, you know, you've got someone who's trying to, what I said, I've heard some stories about how, um, Colt can be, but it's really just, um, it's really nothing in comparison. Yeah. Everyone has bad days or they have people they don't like and don't get along with. Everyone's trying to make their way one way or another, right? We we don't know what everybody's going through, so it's kind of hard to cast judgment unless we have, you know, stuff presented to us. So, you know, maybe maybe Colt's just a dude and he's just trying to make his way on it. And I, if that's what it looks like right now, and if that's the case, I feel awful for him. Yeah. Um, There's obviously a lot more to the story that we don't know, but yeah, superficially at least like uh, it doesn't, in my opinion, make uh, punk look like a good guy. It seems like, no, <laughs> Yeah, and he does. Now you know he does not have the the personal history to get the benefit of the doubt either. Right. Now you know who would I don't think would ever do something like that to a friend. Epico Cologne. Epico Cologne. <laughs> nope, he would not. <laughs> so, I, I just I, I don't think that would happen. Nope. We need a nice sound effect for whenever we bring up Epico's name. I'm working. I'm and working if, on it. As soon as we do that. He's going to respond to us and and or, or something, and we're going to be like, "Well, that joke's dead now. We got to come up with something else." Yeah. So, but we're going to ride this joke as long as it still works. So, talking about um, talking about things getting beaten into the ground. Why don't we talk about SummerSlam? Oh man, do we have time to talk about SummerSlam? I think we can do a quick like ten minute rundown. Okay. Of it. So we'll do a quick. Um, just a quick run up the card. I really didn't want to be super negative on this card. So I'm like, I'm like, well, I should look at the card and like gather my thoughts last night. I'm looking at this card and my thoughts are like, wow, this card is really lazy and very little thought was put into it. 
we're we're seeing some repeats. A lot of repeats. Um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll get get to that as we go. Uh, the apparently kickoff show is going to have Almas and Vega versus Rusev and Lana. Why do they have Vega uh, wrestling? I don't know. What if they have Lana wrestling? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's on the pre-show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That'll probably be on at like five thirty in the afternoon. Five thirty Eastern time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't know if this is uh, this is getting into like uh, gossip, personal gossip. But uh, I don't know if either of you saw it. Um, someone was talking. Someone like mentioned Selena Vega on Twitter. Yeah. Um, about in reference to her dating Austin Aries, and she uh, wrote a response back saying. Like, you know, we're not dating anymore. Like, I don't want to be associated with him. Someone postulated that they had been, that they were married. And she said, no, we were not married. We were never engaged. We are not together. We haven't been together for a long time. Yeah, we're not nothing. It was like, like ooh, that's a. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's bad a breakup. <laughs> yeah, she, they, she like set that on fire. But um, I'm only bringing this up because I had a nice, uh, I, I, mentioned to our mutual friends like well maybe uh, she just got tired of dating a guy who is the same height as her and <laughs> when it's somewhat bigger austin aries comes across like a miserable person too i uh at uh wrestlemania weekend i was uh with our friend christy patrillo aka zach malibu um and we were talking actually with uh john cena senior um, for quite some time and uh, Austin Aries was sitting at the booth like right next to us he was like five feet away from us and just seemed like he had a scowl on his face the entire time he had like his sunglasses on he even take his sunglasses off and just sitting there it's it's kind of hard to tell um, he seems kind of like a curmudgeon he's a yeah. talented Maybe. guy he's a talented guy there's a lot of talented guys though that whenever it comes to interpersonal interactions or just it just doesn't work you know burn bridges Mm. with every promotion known to man like a certain um low key (laughs) that we won't talk about Mm. oh i'm sorry uh key low or quick kick or cabal cabal Cabal. we'll go with cabal yeah okay i'm gonna leave that behind before i grab the soapbox um almas and vega rusev and lana they've been having a little filler feud yeah okay who cares? Uh, first match on the, card. on the show, guys. Yeah. First match on the card is listed as Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. Haven't we seen this match like 500 times recently? We've seen it a lot. We saw yeah. it on the last pay-per-view. Yeah, that's... We saw it on the last pay-per-view. And the face won, so I don't understand why we're still doing this. Hey, I, and it's not even like a gimmick match, so... Yeah. When's the last time we saw the demon? <laughs> It's been a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. More than a year, I think. Hey. Well, no, it was since that that feud that um, didn't actually happen. That because thankfully there was a, this is such a weird phrase, but thankfully there was a meningitis scare. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I'm talking about now, right? Yeah, Finn really needs a title of some sort. Finn just seems like he's got too much charisma for them to not do anything with him. So hopefully this will serve as a springboard he, to him doing some bigger stuff. He was stuff. really over for a while, and they just he just spins his wheel from mid-card thing to mid-card thing. 
Yeah. Um, You know, from being the first universal champion to being labeled as injury prone because of a bad spot. And let's, let's not punish Seth Rollins for injuring a second person with that move too. Yeah. Okay. So next one is cruiserweight championship. Cedric Alexander versus drew Gulak. Are they actually going to have this on the show, or is this another post? This is uh, supposed to be. This is supposed to be on the SummerSlam card. I would. This will probably. I would look forward to this, but it's going to be eight minutes and. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. Like, this will be a good match. That's probably five minutes long. I'm. I, I wish they could get more time to, you know, actually work their craft. I'm a Drew Gulak guy. Uh, Cedric Alexander is a little dull, personality-wise, for my tastes. Yeah, I agree. And um, I really wish they'd put it on... I'm going to get his name wrong. Is it Mustafa Ali? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, He's really the standout on that show, and I would put the belt on him if I were booking. They had a really good match at uh, WrestleMania, him and uh, Cedric Alexander. Yeah. That's, that's, what I, that's what I heard, and it might, just, it might just be, it's like, hey, we ran this all the way up, and that was the big big feud and the blow off so they'll let Ali have a little breather before they put him back up there we'll see I guess Um, next match on my list is for the Smackdown tag titles the Bludgeon Brothers versus the New Day so I don't know what configuration of the New Day I would use for this because I see I see adv- advantages to having Kofi and Xavier in there against them, but I also kind of want to see Big E tangle up with them. But I kind of, I kind of want something different on this in the SmackDown tag team scene. And you know, as much as I enjoy uh, yeah. the New Day, they're getting a little stale. You can have lots of cool match dynamics, like you said, with Xavier and Kofi, or you know, you can put some power in there with Big E. It's not. I would like to see the New Day as a group of guys be going after singles titles. Think about this: having some baby faces who have each other's backs while they're going for singles titles. Why not? Because nobody else does it. They don't. WWE doesn't book like that, though. Unfortunately. Neither did WCW. Um, yeah. It's it's not like you had a group of guys who were on the same side trying to fight the NWO, but apparently never actually talked to each other. Well, I mean, back in the day, though, you had like, um, you know, Sting Luger and the Steiners were kind of, you know, together. And, you know, Magnum and Dusty and the Rock and Rolls would always help each other out. Like you had smaller yeah. Hit stuff, but yeah. Yeah. So we... We'll see what happens. I mean, the I think the Bludgeons have been good as heel tag champs, but I think New Day we'll just will see where probably win here. Because it's SummerSlam. Yeah, I think you're going to see them do like what they did with the Usos and New Day, and just kind of repeat that where they trade back and forth a couple times. The thing that bothers me about that is that they're starting it at SummerSlam. Yeah. <sighs> Okay. Next match on the card is for the Money in the Bank briefcase Braun Strowman 
versus Kevin Owens. Didn't uh... I do not understand why this is happening. Yeah, it's another match that's been going on. Another matchup that's we've seen like a hundred times at this point. Shouldn't Kevin Owens be like dead from the last show? He should. Uh, yeah. But he instead we're getting this. So this is this is my theory is that well I could see Kevin Owens winning and winning the money in the bank. But um my opinion is is that Kevin Owens or Braun are going to cash in on Roman in the main event. I've seen that theory bubbling around and I it, it does seem like here's the thing though. <clears throat> Who would you believe more cashing in on the main with Lesnar and Reigns out there? Owens is an opportunist. Yes. Owens has held the universal title, but who are you going to believe could walk out there and flatten one or both of those guys? It, that, Braun seems like the 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 spot on for that. Braun comes walking out. You hear him shout his own name. He comes through the curtain with the briefcase in his hand. He points at Roman and said, "I said I wasn't finished with you." Plants him and pins him for the you know pins him for the title or something. But I could see them doing the Kevin Owens thing because they're obsessed with heel champions. So then they drag that out for WrestleMania so Roman can finally get his WrestleMania moment. And then we can get six months of Roman tripping on his dick over and over again, but still getting more title shots. Because we're in this maddening hell of limbo with Roman that never ends. I, I, what are they going to do? So they're, are they going to have Reigns beat Lesnar finally? Yep, and then th- then they would catch and then immediately have someone catch in. <laughs> yep, that's what I think. And will so happen. what? Like what's 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 what's? The, well, I can absolutely see that happening, but what's the concept behind that? That it's better for Roman to chase? I don't know. I don't think they even know because I think that's, that's just, because that's because that's worked out for him so well over the last so, like several well, months slash so years. What, what I think, it's so weird. What I think is going to happen is either Lesnar is going to win because. I don't know why, but they're going to do that and then drag it out to WrestleMania and do it again, or they're going to have Roman win and immediately he gets cashed in on and beat. For someone who they're supposedly so high on being the next big thing, they're remarkably gun shy about pulling the trigger on him. Yeah. It's to the point. I don't know what's, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with him. I, just, I don't think they know what they're doing with him, but I don't know what the strategy is of just constantly having him lose or keep getting undeserved title shots. Did you see yeah. someone on Reddit did like a a video of him getting a title shot or a number one contenders match right after a loss? And it wasn't even yeah. it wasn't even I think whole, you clued us into that one, yeah. yeah. It's five and a half minutes long. Yeah. And I don't even think it's the Lashley long. thing was on there. No, because that hadn't happened yet. So I'm, I'm. At some point, on one hand, it makes sense. It follow the logic tracks of we want to make him into an underdog. The problem with that is twofold. Number one, you spent all of this time building him up as the next big thing, as a dominant force. Number two, if you don't ever pull the trigger on him, then guess what? You turn him into a choke artist and therefore nobody buys him so for god's sakes decide one way or the other what's gonna happen you realize though like 
Hogan's run was starting to wind down at this point. Like Austin had already come and gone. Like this is this is how long we're into this. We're in like we're heading into like year five, I think. We're ending year five. Are we really? I think twenty fourteen, maybe. I'd have to go back and 2014 look. 2014 or 2015. It's either year four or five. <clears throat> He's main evented four WrestleManias in a row. So we're in year five. Oh, wow. Okay. We're we're just... Okay, we're going to have to decide. Sooner or later, we're going to have to set out a block of time and just break this whole thing down and why it gives me a nosebleed or something. Um, I'm going to move us on to the next match. Because we said we were going to yeah. try and do this in a 10-minute thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should know better. Um, your next one up, United States title, Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy. I understand this as a return match, given what happened the first time. You know, supposedly, Hardy was injured and Nakamura just steamrolled him. And so Hardy getting his return match, okay, I get that. I'm not really concerned about it. Um I would look for Nakamura to retain myself, but I'll go with that. I think it's going to be an eight minute, nothing match. Well, and to see, um, if Orton inserts himself in it somewhere, wrong choice of words, given what we've been saying tonight, but it's already out there. Okay. That joke fell flat. Uh, next match, Dolph Ziggler. I was actually resisting the urge of saying it's not insert, it's whips it out. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, something to that effect. Um, next match, this this is this where we're getting some lazy at. Intercontinental Championship match, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins with no gimmick. Why is this a match? It's another another match we've already match. seen for like three months straight now. But this is like, what is this the sixth or seventh time they've run this since June? Yeah. And this is after the gimmick match where the gimmick match is supposed to be the feud blow off. And didn't the crowd like, didn't the crowd absolutely crap all over this last month? Yeah. And didn't they run like a rematch on Raw the next night? Probably. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I don't remember, but I remember I was watching that Raw, and I got so frustrated with it because it was when I was on my trip. I went down to go work out in the hotel gym, and this is me saying it, so I was really bored. (laughs) Man, like, they had one really good match, and the rest of them just sucked. I don't. I don't know. I'm guessing they're going to put it back on Rollins here finally. I don't know. Let me see. Of our guesses, we have... This This would be potentially the second or third time we would expect the face to win on a big blow-off show. So um, I, I could totally see it going that way. I think, I think Next. you'll see some early heel... I, mean, I think you'll see some early face wins to make up for some of the shit they're going to pull later, is why, what I'm saying. They've been in a pattern of that a lot recently, haven't they? Yeah, they usually soften the blow early with a couple face wins, and then they start pulling the wonky crap midway through. And then they might rebound with a, with a couple face wins. Okay, next match on the card is Daniel Bryan 
The Miz. I'm going to say The Miz wins. Basically, result of is Brian staying or going? If Brian is staying, then I see Brian winning, and it catapult. You know, that's a springboard into the main. If Miz wins, then I suspect Brian either hasn't or won't re-sign. I think. What do you think, Matt? I can. I yeah, I can see that. I think he. I think ultimately, I think Daniel Bryan is going to resign. Um, it, it. That's a whole other like conversation. Uh, the landscape of the independent scene now is crazy, so he, he would definitely have like a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think realistically, as much as he might want to do that, he's older, and given his previous health issues, like I think I can just see him. You know, signing a new contract with the WWE where he knows he's going to get good money and be protected, and yeah. So I, I think prefer- I think he'll continue, and I actually feel like this this match has a lot of potential. Like I think they could they could continue feuding beyond this match if uh, if he is still with the company, okay. and I, I think it would actually be a pretty good feud. I have heard that part of the sticking point on re-signing is that Daniel Bryan's pushing for fewer dates. Um. Which makes sense to me if the guy has his own special concussion protocol. Wouldn't you want him to work less? But on the other hand, other people being like, oh, well, Mr. Too Good to Work House shows, right? Which doesn't make a lick of sense, but I could still see it happening. I would see. We'll see. It'll be the bellwether. If there was one guy I would be fine with signing for TV and pay per view, it'd be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think Miz wins here because that promo he cut trying to big league Brian. They love to throw those promos out there and have the heel win. And I think they think that this can be like a three or four month feud. So I think Miz will win here. I oh, God, I hope not. And this is because <laughs> that means they're going to drag it out past the point and, where it's. And this is also unwatchable. This is also going to be where they love putting that match in there to kill the crowd for like the second half of the show. Yeah. Well, this, this feud's basically been brewing for years at this point. Since SmackDown split. Yeah. I uh, will see. It'll be, it'll be the indicator of what's to come. And the next match on the card is Carmella versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. Oh yes. This one. Okay. I, I'm going to hold on to hope. I feel I'm going to hold on to hope that Lynch can take this. Here's the thing. In a triple threat match, you have a 33.3% chance of winning. But whenever you add Charlotte in, your chances of winning drastically go down. So that means Carmella's not going to try and beat Charlotte because she knows she can't do that. Which means that his chances increase by another 33.3%. And I can't do the whole promo off the top of my head. And I'm kind of ashamed. <laughs> okay, so here's what's going to happen. There's one, there's one of two outcomes are going to happen. Charlotte's going to win, and she's going to beat Becky Lynch to do it because we have to protect Carmella. Or, conversely, Carmella's going to pin Becky Lynch to retain the title because we have to protect Charlotte and Carmella. And like protecting Charlotte makes sense because eventually they want to build to Charlotte versus Rousey. 
And this, but protecting Carmilla is unnecessary because Carmilla is a chicken shit heel. No, but see, but see, Shad, she's pretty and she has blonde hair, so we have to protect her. <laughs> she's booked as a chicken shit heel. But she just pinned Oscar clean almost on a pay per view. I don't have the money to fix my drywall right now. Okay. And this is also this is also textbook when they're gonna crap on you for getting behind the wrong person, namely someone that's not got blonde hair and speaks with a funny accent. Even worse than not having blonde hair is having an accent. If you listen to Kevin Dunn, it is. Yes. So Matt, uh, what do you think? I, I really feel like. Becky should go over, but I don't have any confidence in that. I think I think they will keep it on Carmella, and then I, I don't know what they're going to do until like SummerSlam. I can see maybe SummerSlam Charlotte picking it up or something. But um, I mean, Does, what's the idea? You mean Mania? I, well, no, I think or like, Survivor I think, Series. Yeah, Survivor Series. Sorry. It, okay, um, I was going to be real confused. Um, what what is the plan? Are they thinking of going Charlotte? Uh, Rousey for Wrestlemania that's what I understand I don't know because mm. that's what I thought but they've kind of spent the last four months making you not give a crap about Charlotte well, well she hasn't she hasn't been there um, but they her as a face really does not work she loses her she loses that spark when she's a face yeah She's she really is a chip off the old block. She is a really good top heel. But it's the the women's division is tough right now because I really have no clue what they're doing with it. Because I think anyone else would be booking that division way different than they are. Yeah. Especially if you want them to, if you want this division to be taken seriously, like they do, because they keep using the phrase women's revolution all the time. It's like, well, then how about you book them well? You know, we're, if if you're going to grandstand and make this a big point to the company, then I would say you absolutely have to put your shoulder into it and book this very well. I mean, if they're, if they were smart, I would. I would hope that they would put it on Becky and then you could have at least have her hold it a couple months and lead up to like a Becky Charlotte match for yeah, have, um, the evolution pay-per-view they want to have in, in October. Cause that, yeah, have, that would at least be guaranteeing like a good match. Have Charlotte turn on Becky mm-hmm. after Becky wins. You're ready made. There's lots of heat in it. I'm sorry, Matt. I talked over you in trying to agree with you. I apologize for that. No, I, I agree. Like I think <laughs> that sets it up perfectly well, but I don't know. I, then what would they do with Carmella? Because I don't, I don't think they know what to do with her unless they have her kind of in this. I mean, do you really lose anything if you just shut her down <laughs> to Nothingsville? And not really. Well, uh, that's where they seem to keep most of the women at whenever they're not either carrying the title or the briefcases. They just kind of go into this pool of folks floating around. Look at, look mm-hmm. at Bailey and Sasha. Like, they're just in hell. Speaking of that, the Raw Women's Division, the next match is Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. Okay, okay. So, literally, 
they have to have Rhonda win here, right? Because I will I will set something on fire if we get another Alexa win. I feel like they they have to. Um because even though I think they've they've booked her quite they've booked Rhonda quite well thus far, she's still in like this weird kind of I feel fragile state where like they, they can't they cannot screw up her booking or else people will not care about her and they, they there's too much uh they've invested in her for that to happen so they can't they can't have her yeah but i mean i if i was booking i wouldn't have put her up with bliss because bliss is the worst thing to protect a because i mean i mean the naya thing worked but naya was naya had some advantages especially with her size that worked in that mm. match but man, like, what are you gonna do with Alexa and Ronda? Like, it just the this match should be. They get in there, they get started. All of a sudden, Ronda snatches Alexa and plants her and arm bars her. That's how this should go. Ronda has been like booked as kind of this buzzsaw who hasn't actually gotten her hands on Bliss, but like everyone is terrified of getting in her way. Yep. You do not take a build like that and then go and then cool it off immediately because that means that you're going to just destroy this aura you've built. What I think they're going to do here is they're going to have it's going to be like 10 or 12 minutes of Bliss dominating and doing her clowning act. And it's going to do and I think Ronda will probably survive it, but I think it's going to be the same thing it was with Naya where you're watching it and you're like, this is not how this match should go. Even watching Ronda versus Nia, that match was still pretty good. Ronda was pulling her weight, and it was booked well. So I'm hoping that they look at it and they go, we have to do this right. Yeah, but they have this weird blind spot with Alexa, and Alexa is not a good worker. Alexa's all right, but... I'm very blinded because I'm on Alexa burnout big time. I don't yeah. blame you. They have made harmful choices with Alexa in the championship slot. I don't blame her for it, but I I'm at the point where I don't know that I would call Alexa like a bad worker, but she is at I feel at best really like mediocre. She should she's not at the level that they're pushing her at. And I'm with you, Brad, that I'm like beyond at burnout stage with her. I've been at burnout stage with her for like well over a year. Uh, When she won the belt back from Sasha is when my Alexa burnout started. So yeah, it's been about a year for me. Yeah. Okay. So that bumps us up to, we talked about Lesnar reigns already. Yeah. God save us. And the other match on the card is WWE championship. AJ styles versus Samoa Joe. Um, this match should should be really good it should theoretically be the best match in the card yeah I and hopefully so. they give it time yeah so it, I think the struggle here is from a booking standpoint is do you trust Joe to stay healthy to give him a run I would I think I would too uh, I would do it for the simple reason that if you're going to have this guy who his reputation for being on the roster is this 
just ferocious killer type, he has to kill something sooner or later. AJ's heat is now bulletproof, right? It's not because AJ screwed up. It's because... Hey, could you say, These, could you say it again? You cut bad out. Thing. They can both talk. They can both work. Hey, could you say, could you go through your thing again that you cut out? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> AJ's heat is bulletproof at this point. So Joe winning would not hurt AJ. It would elevate Joe. And to have these two guys feud from, let's say, SummerSlam to Survivor Series wouldn't hurt anything. They can both talk. They can both work. We know it because we've seen him do it before. I say have at it. Let him go. Put it on Joe here. If you want to put it back on AJ, let him do it at the end of the feud or let Joe keep it because we finally found somebody that can beat AJ and and go from there. But that's just me. I think I would go with Joe. Give it this. Give him. Give him his. I don't want to say give him his run, but give him. Give him his run, and um, see where you go from there. Give some new people a chance to uh, challenge his faces. I think it would be interesting to do like Joe versus Biggie. I know Rusev just got a shot, but do Joe and Rusev. Oh yeah. So. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I would go with Joe. Um, I mean, AJ has held the belt uh, a long time. He's held it for almost, what, 300 days? I, yeah. November to now. Yeah, so I think it's it's time that you can uh, you can switch it. Um, I guess the only question, and this is, might be what they're trying to factor in, it's like, who, who are they going to have Joe feud with? Um, he could still feud with AJ for the next like you know couple months, but... I don't know where they go from there. I'm I'm nervous that it would be uh, maybe Nakamura, not Nakamura, um, Orton. I really wish they could wrangle Joe versus Braun. That'd be crazy, wouldn't uh, it? Just maybe they'll do something like that. They'll tease something like that if they pull another like Raw versus SmackDown thing for uh, SummerSlam. Just do some crazy gimmick match where they just go like all out on each other yeah that would be that would be fun to watch and I did want to do I wanted to quickly go over the Brooklyn card for NXT it's only five matches we can we can do that one quick. let's do it for, let's do it real quick then so first match is Velveteen Dream versus EC3 which intrigues me because I, I enjoy Velveteen Dream <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him a lot, and uh, also he's a uh, Washington D.C. native. <laughs> so okay, I'm partial to him. Uh, he's super young too, isn't he? Who? Belichick. Yeah, like let me look. I think he's 22. Wow, that's younger than I thought he was. So he's got he's got a bright future ahead. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's actually very talented. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the tag team titles, undisputed era. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong defend against Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven. That should kick ass. Yeah, this will be a great match. Um, 
NXT North American Championship, Adam Cole defends against Ricochet. I'm a little more ho-hum on that match, but it should still be good. Mm-hmm. Um, NXT Women's Match, uh, Baszler defends against Kirari Sane. I like Sane a lot. I really don't want to see her job to Baszler, but that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I'm not sure they know what to do with with Baszler outside of having her have the title, unless she's gonna, unless they're moving her up, which I don't really recommend at this point. Yeah, she's not. I don't. I don't particularly like her matches either. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose they they could they could have her go over and then do like some sort of rematch at a uh, Evolution. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I could see that. And then I mean, Sane's still pretty over, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she's. I mean, she's probably the best worker in, in it. Well, I mean, now I'm going to take that back. You could arguably say that Sane is the best or the second best woman in the WWE. Mm-hmm. And that would depend on how high you are on Asuka. Okay, fair enough. And um, that'll change, though, when um, EO starts because she will be the best woman in the WWE. Hmm. Unless Nicole Matthews gets in there, right? <laughs> we got to give the plug. Um, okay, and then uh, last man standing for NXT Championship, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano. I know Black was supposed to be in this, so it would be different. But at this point, what do you do? I mean, you have to like, you have to have Gargano win like clean. <laughs> They, I feel like they've they've booked this all backwards because Gargano already won clean and it was excellent. I, they they screwed the pooch with that second match and I feel like they thought they could up the ante with the championship on the line here. And I just I I don't know because I like the first one. I didn't care that much about the second one, and I'm not really excited for this one because it's just like oh okay the championship. If this isn't Johnny Gargano's crowning moment, I don't care. It's match of the entire weekend, but I'm a little. I, yeah, I don't. I, I would love to see Gargano win just because I think it is deserved. He's a great worker. Um, I think it would really add a lot for him to be champion, but they just put the title on Ciampa. Um, and I, I, it'd be interesting to see them explore that for a while. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when Black is back because I know he was injured. He underwent surgery. I think he's going to be out probably for a little bit. So is his groin. I'm going to say he's not going to be in action for a long time. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, I don't know if they've given any sort of timetable on him uh, when he coming back. But I don't know. I don't know what you would do with with Champa. I mean, I, I'm to, not really sure who you'd feud him with, even if he was still champion. To me, Champa is not interesting outside of Gargano. Yet, yeah, I think he has a lot of potential just to be like a really strong heel. So I think you could do something with him, with other face workers. But yeah, I, I see your point though. And I, I think they've they're kind of in a corner with um, Gargano where they've kind of jobbed him one too many times. And I think if you really want like him to have his moment in NXT, like it has to be now. Uh, yeah, I'd get behind that. I could see Gargano being a good fighting champion. I would even be fine if you, like, if you just, um, 
give it to Gargano for a couple months and put it back on Ciampa so he can have his real run because I'm guessing like Gargano is going to be in the Royal Rumble and that's going to be his like debut mm-hmm. main roster. I don't know. Where we'll, we'll find out up or down about what um about what the outcome of this match is going to tell us a whole lot about where NXT is going to go from there. Yeah, I definitely agree. But it's kind of hard to call. I think you could even have Adam Cole lose the North American belt and have Gargano win the NXT belt and then transition to Gargano and Adam Cole, too. I think that would be good. Yeah, they could go that, that route. I think it would be. Okay, well, we've been at this for a while, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and say that we've got ourselves a good uh, good set here. The <clears throat> uh, Again, we'd love to hear from y'all uh, at podcast, the number four corners on Twitter. Uh, hit us up. And this is Shad with Brad and Matt. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>